Get ready. It's time for News for the Soul. Life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. All found at newsforthesoul.com. And now, here's your host and the founder of News for the Soul, Nicole Whitney. I'm Nicole with News for the Soul. We're here doing newsforthesoul.com, and what better news than the story we're going to hear today? How would you like to win all the time? Every contest you enter. Well, this is what Helene has experienced, so we're going to find out about her story, which started a long time ago. Helene Hatzel, find out about her amazing lifetime of winning. I mean, we're talking not just little things. We're talking about, you know, not coupons, but winning a house and trips all over the place to the point where it actually got boring to do so. So can't imagine how many times you have to win a trip to Europe to get bored of that, but we'll find out today. All that and more News for the Soul. If you miss any of the show, newsforthesoul.com. Back in two. You're now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. What better uplifting can we do than bringing you a story from someone who has won nearly every contest she's ever entered? How would you like to do that? Talk about law of attraction there. And we're talking about a long-standing history of large prizes to the point of where winning free trips to Europe apparently got boring. So we want to find out how we can experience that as well and how we can apply that to whatever we're living in our lives. Helene Hadzil is my guest for the rest of this hour, and I'm excited about uh, talking to her and introducing you to her. She has worked with the likes of Dr. Norman Vincent Peale and Joseph Murray, authoring uh, books of Power of Subconscious Mind, helping Jose Silva set up Silva Method Mind Training Centers over the years. Quite the interesting history. Let's find out her story. Helene, welcome to News for the Soul. Oh, hi there. <laughs> How are you doing? Great. I would imagine you're always doing great. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it's a busy time, all the time for me. So where does your story, I know you've probably told it a cabillion times over many years, but I I'm, uh, I just discovered you recently via the Internet. I think it was through email I got from Joe Vitale recently or something, and I thought, oh, my goodness, listen to this. So <laughs> this is new for me and my listeners, some of them perhaps, and I'd love to hear your story. Well, uh, should we start at the beginning? That's an excellent and uh, do you have about 20 or 30 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps a more condensed version, but beginning well, is good. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> but I know the um, a group from uh, Malaysia came over to, uh, to do a DVD, and we sat here eight hours uh, uh-huh. in- interviewing me. And that was just a, well, it, was, it could have gone on forever because everything in my life, I feel, has been uh, a daring adventure or nothing. I think I set this up. Really, uh, uh, but um, uh, let's start at the beginning. Yes, I was a little happy homemaker with three children, 
and uh, you know we all we we our needs are met mostly, but then we have a lot of wants, and that's when I started entering contests. That's originally when it started. I actually I had read the book, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale, and um, he he said one thing that intrigued me. He said you can have anything you want, provided you know what it is. And see yourself as already having it. There's no doubts. Just see yourself as already having it. I think I meditated on that, and I thought that that just is is just too simple. I'm a person that always have to has to investigate everything. Well, anyway, nevertheless, that night I my husband came in and we were talking, and I said, you know, um, I read this book, and I'm fascinated about what what we can win if we want to. We can just apply this to anything. And uh, he was reading the paper, and he said, uh, well, here, uh, he said, okay, why don't you uh, win me an outboard motor? And uh, he was reading the paper, and the Evan Root outboard motor had a contest. He had to write 25 words or less why you take Coca-Cola on outings. And I said, and he said, and then you can win us an an outboard motor. And that night, I was so serious, and you want to say, I don't know, but I went into my room, and I sat there, and I thought, I I pictured my husband sitting in a boat with a six-pack of Cokes. And that's all I did. That was my picture. And then I wrote this article. I mean, I wrote the 25 words. My husband loved to go fishing on weekends by himself. He was in a very, very stressful uh, work at work, and this was his way to release. And all the children were too young to go with him. So, and he just had an old paddle boat, and that's just for a couple of hours. But he wanted this outboard motor. So now, temporarily, I became him, and I sat there, and I said. Um, I'm a lone wolf fisherman. Cokes are my silent partners. They contribute no yakety-yak when called upon. And that was 25 words. I send it in. I showed it to him. I sent it in, and I said, I wonder how long it's going to take him to let us know that you won. It was exactly 10 days later when an, a local representative called and said, uh, you won uh, your outboard motor. <laughs> well, see, that was the start of it. And then I thought, so, well, I, Before you go on, um, yes. how long ago was that? When was that? Oh, honey, that was in the 40s when they were having a lot of the uh, 25 words or less, 50 words or less, and a few sweepstakes. But today, there's mostly sweepstakes. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's originally how I got started. Well, I want to ask you a couple of questions before you move on about just the process, because I'm like you. I like to kind of scientifically break it down. So when you went in and you you pictured it, and you, he was, you, you were, as you said, you became him, and you were in the boat, and you were picturing the thing, and how long did you hold that vision or the picture? I don't, I don't recall. I just, uh, uh, I will say, during the day, uh, when I was driving the car or vacuuming or doing mundane things, I would see the end result. So you, you did are, revisit the picture. Yes, uh huh. Yes, 
Uh, this is the reason that I wrote the article, and uh, I think it's, it's very, very simple for everyone to now understand. And I call it SPEC, S-P-E-C. And what it means is selected, projected, expected, collected. And that's the formula that I have used, um, well, all my life. Uh, I mean, you know, right now, I'm not interested in material things. I have everything I possibly want, and I'm not hoarding or I'm not in the power or greed mode. I like to use it in other areas of projecting um, particular things that I want uh, with people, telepathy, etc. And I'm still using this technique, and it's still working. Well, this is why the, it was so exciting, because it's you know it can be, as you say, applied to anything. It's kind of the yes. the mechanics of of the consciousness, and and you know we we talk about on news for the soul. We've talked about this kind of thing for years in many different ways, and <clears throat> getting closer to really understanding what that means and what our potential is and what our true nature is is what we're always striving for here so one of the big questions that comes up i still want to hear you know more of the linear story i know i sort of threw you off <laughs> off track there but i wanted to break it down the process because um you know the biggest question is how you stay out of the doubt creeping in okay you can only think of one thing at a time and there are several techniques until you get out of that mode i mean we're all in different emotions we know this but one of the things is this rubber band technique uh one woman said i'm always negative i'm around negative people and i work in an office negative and i said wear a rubber band and the minute that they're discussing something negative and you're now then uh, associating with it, uh, snap your rubber band and get back to something positive. And I said, all of a sudden, it becomes a way of life with you. And everything that is, uh, I would say, you would say um, limiting or negative, I call it a learning experience. I say, oh, you're just going through a learning experience and uh, what you need to do after after it's over with, I mean, there's always a good, positive end result that you set this up. You know, you create your your future. Why did you set it up? Well, okay, if you think it's negative, then it's a learning experience, and then it can be over with. Now, let's get on with life and be positive, uplifting. And so this is um, one of the techniques that you can use. But remember, you can only think of one thing at a time, and you're in control of your thinking. So if you let other people influence you, then it's something that you need to address. And so the so it's literally band, replace it with something. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, let's get back to your story. I know I interrupted there because I've been dying to ask you so many questions, so I'll try to You're not dying to ask. get through it. You're interested in <laughs> See, I would correct you <laughs> if you were in my environment, you know. Uh, okay, I'm living to ask you questions. Good okay. point. See, this is a good point because we do to pay attention to our thoughts and words. Yes, uh, everything we we say, uh, see, everything is energy, and we're we're projecting energy in our thoughts, and words become uh, thoughts and so forth, and you're creating that. So, that's a no-no in my book. <laughs> okay, I stand corrected. Okay, uh-huh. so you've won the outboard motor. Now hubby is going. Hmm, you must have had his attention by then. Uh, yes. Uh, and so I said, well, what do we want to win next? And uh, I was so naive, no kidding. 
I was so naive. And this book, I mean, uh, Vincent Peale, you know, had a, a radio show and he had all these books at the, <laughs> in the library. And I thought, this man knows everything. And so he was my mentor at that time. And so I just went ahead and, okay, he's right. Now what do we want to win? And uh, as I said, we had three young children. And I said, okay, what would we wanted? To, and now I'm getting the children interest. And so my daughter said she wanted a, a new bicycle. And I said, well, let's go ahead and see what contest is giving us giving away a bicycle. Now, remember, at that time, uh, there were uh, lots and lots of, of uh, promotional things. And at the grocery store, they had a bulletin board with entry blanks, you know, all advertising their products, Nestle tea and uh, Del Monte ketchup, etc. And they usually had um, 25 words or less, 50 words or less, or what... Uh, uh, just sometimes just to name something. And so we, I get all these little contests, and then I look for, now let's see, what, she wants a twin bicycle. Oh, here, uh, Nestle's, uh, uh, Nestle's Chocolate has a contest, and you have to name a pony. And the winner wins uh, twin, bi- twin swim bicycles and a pony. So the three of us, the children and I, sat there and I said, let's name a pony and let's get Pamela, my daughter, get her a bicycle. And they got very serious, you know, playing a game. And I said, what should we call them? And they were thinking, I wrote down uh, brownie and this and this and this. And all of a sudden, and he said, uh, my son said, well, he bucks. And so, and it's, you know, so we wrote down him buck too. And then he prances. So we called him Prance Charming, and we send in the article Prance Charming, and that's what won her, her twin bicycle. But we would, again, send, there was something that uh, when we started this project, uh, one of the things Peel said, uh, don't tell anybody, don't mention it to anybody, because many people are negative, and they can nullify your good energy, and then you think it's your idea. And uh, there can be, it's not necessarily a failure, but it's a a delay in results if you inject any negative in your end result. And so that was very important to me. We don't tell anybody anything. We just play this game, and she wants a swim bicycle. Let's win it for her. And now, yeah, we won the bicycle. And then the next thing was, what else do we want? Okay. To make a long story short, we um, we won uh, every year after I had what I called the formula. We would never uh, when we demand, when we uh, planned our vacation, uh, we wanted to go to Disney World, so we won a trip to World. We wanted to go to the World's Fair in New York. Trip to the New. We won trips. We won. You name it, kid, and I'll claim it because this is we became so proficient in this that I then locally was known as uh, as using witchcraft. And I changed that, and I said, no, 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 it's not wish, witchcraft, it's wishcraft. And anybody can do this. And I was very, very, very open when I would get letters or ma- uh, telephone calls, uh, people asking me to help them. And I would simply say, well, here are the, these are the rules, here it is. And that's when I wrote the book, uh, The Name It and Claim It Game, with Winuvers, Win, W-I-N, Winuvers for Wishcraft. 
and that uh, to date now, probably over 3 million or so books I've sold. And wow. uh, that's it. I mean, that was the be- really the beginning of it. You're now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights life-changing spotlight she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. And then, you know, along the way, so much fun. I mean, you could project something and then you could anticipate and it was uh, so delightful because on my 40th birthday, I, I had read that Paris, France was a city of romance and love and light and so forth. And I announced to my husband, on my 40th birthday, I want to be in Paris, France, sitting at a sidewalk cafe, drinking wine with you. And I wrote, wrote a, a very offbeat article. I had this, down, well, this sense of humor that sometimes doesn't make sense. But what I wrote was, I, I would want, I want to go to Paris, France, because I'm curious to find out if a poop couple with three kiddos can recapture the rapture of springtime ecstasy in their fat forty frustrated years. I send that are that that was fifty words. I send it off to two, three different sponsors because uh, many of the sponsors were offering the same prizes. So I could use use my entry over and over. I didn't care who gave me the trip. I I saw the end result, and that was it. And so, oh, the first indication that I'd won a prize was uh, I wound up winning on the Hammond electric organ. And we got a big charge out of that because I told my husband, I see this started in January, and my birthday was going to be the 1st of June. And in March, I win this Hammond electric organ, and I said, well, I guess the judges read my entry, and they decided that I needed physical therapy, and uh, playing the organ would be very good therapy. And we just had a fun thing with it, and it was almost, uh, oh, May sometime, uh, about the 15th of May, when I got the notice that uh, I was, you know, I was being considered a prize. You know, usually they investigate you, and, and to investigate, they want to find out if you're related to the sponsor or to the judging firm. And, uh, you know, and then you have to have an affidavit for that because the contests and prizes, sweepstakes are on the very, very on the up and up. So I wouldn't have any qualms about entering because, uh, I mean, they don't need any bad publicity. So this went on, and uh, we won. I went to Paris, France, and uh, one of the things, uh, my son went a trip to uh, New York, uh, and then the dude ranches we went to. I mean, every year it was, let's go someplace else. <laughs> and oh. It was a family fun thing. But That's the one more... Yeah, no, mo- did you win Pardon? every time, or did it come in different ways, or you know, was it a general uh, well, intention, or did you win every contest? No, I would. I won every contest that I wanted, every item I wanted. Uh, but in the interim, uh, I was uh, logging and uh, writing a journal at that time. Uh, one month, I won a prize every day, every cotton picking day. It was, you know, it was fry pans, it was uh, uh, appliances, it was um, uh, musical instruments, it was just different things, different things. But I never lost sight of the fact 
of the big thing that I really wanted to win because not every contest I entered did I win. I waited until, I mean, if I didn't win in one contest, I would send that same entry in if it was, you know, creative writing. Mm. I did this just on an ongoing basis, and I did this also with sweepstakes. Uh, when the, when uh, the World's Fair in 1964 and 65, they had the World's Fair in New York, and I stopped there for a couple of days because my son went a trip there with a Lindy Star Sapphire contest, and that was fabulous. And then we were on our way to Paris. This was on my 40th birthday. And while we were at the World's Fair, uh, the Formica Corporation had built this fabulous home. And at that time, God, that was uh, $50,000, valued at $50,000. And I was so looking forward to going uh, to uh, France, Paris, that I uh, never even went to that World's Fair house. And the only time I remember that they had it, I came back. And as contesting contesters do, every every uh, state or a local area has uh, what we call, well, they have uh, contest clubs. And I came and I belonged to this Dallas club, and we called ourselves the Compatriot. And we were always sharing entry blanks and ideas. And every time we would meet, we would go around the room, and each one would stand up and say, "Oh." Uh, this month, I won a month's supply of, of gas. I won $50 grocery at this store. I won this trip here, etc. And we were competing. I mean, it was fun. And we were very, very supportive. Well, while I was came back and told the girls about my trip to New York and then to Paris, and one gal said, well, did you see the Formica house at the World's Fair? And I said, no, I missed that completely. It was so awesome, and there were so many things we were interested in. No, I didn't. And she said, well, it's still running for another two weeks. And locally, uh, some of the builders are using Formica. Uh, what you have to do is, is go ahead and uh, see the Formica home and sign. There is a, a signing there. Uh, and then they send in all of the entries from around the entire United States to a judging firm, and that judging firm then chooses a name. And uh, everybody, I mean, there were millions of entries in it because the uh, prize went on. I mean, the, uh, the contest went on for a year during the World's Fair. Well, I said, well, where, where's a local place that I can enter? And the gal, well, this was in Garland, which was about, well, actually about 38 miles from where I lived in Irving. And I, I thought, well, okay, this was at night. And I thought, the next morning I will go and enter this, see this for Micah home. Sounded exciting, a new home, you know. And uh, my friends that lived locally, I called up um, called up Jesse and I said, let's go over and register at um, uh, this Formica house, and she said, no, I just washed my hair, and it was raining and drizzling, and it was very overcast, and it really wasn't, a, it was a gloomy day. And then I called another friend, no, she's having her carpets shampooed, no, she can't go. And, you know, she said, it's already rigged, and they know who they want, and this was negative. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, it just felt like somebody pushed me in the car. And the next thing I know, I'm down the highway, and I'm in Garland, and I find the house, and I walk up to this Formica house and get in there, 
sit there and look at everything in it, sign my name, my husband's name, and I thought, okay, yes, now I want a new house. This is a house I want. After, and I signed my husband's name, my name, took an entry blank, went home that night and told my husband, uh, well, our next prize is uh, we're going to win this house. And I said, you might as well start doing, uh, we want to do a schematic of the house, and I want to design the interior. And my husband's always been very, very supportive. So we sat there, and we designed the house. And it was a fun thing. Let's do this. Here the boys' room. Let's have twin uh, bathrooms here and everything we possibly wanted. And this was, and that was it. The contest was over with. I'd had my entries in, etc. It took six weeks later, and probably it took that long because they were gathering boxes from the uh, around the country that had Formica homes and displaying their Formica products. And uh, that night, I am actually at the um, club in Dallas, and my husband called and said, well, somebody just called from New York and asked about the Formica house. And I, uh, I said, you gave him all the right answers. He said, uh, yes, yes, and uh, that was it. But let me back up for a minute. This After I got home from entering the contest, and I was there by myself, I was adamant that my husband had to come over and see that house. I said, if they investigate us, we both need to know about their Formica, the new things that they're adding, like molding. And so, uh, molding was one of the main things that they were playing because that was a new product they were plugging. And do you know, on Saturday morning, I said, let's get up and we're going to over to Garland and you're going to look at that house. So when they call and say, yes, you saw it, although I put it in my name, but uh, what he what do you would answer the phone. Well, so, uh, this is what happened. He answered the phone. He said, yes, my wife and I saw the Formica home, and we were impressed with this, etc. And that was um, an investigation over the phone. And now, this again, it's another four or five weeks later, and I'm still visualizing the house. Uh, now we're, run- we're driving around because we're going to put it on a lot. Uh, we find a suitable lot, and we're we're waiting. I mean, what's taking them so long? And that's the morning. <laughs> My, uh, I woke up and I said, "They're going to let us know we won today." And the children were all going off to school. And I said, "Listen, kids, when you get home, uh, they're going to let us know we won this house. For God's sake, act surprised. They expect it." <laughs> and just you know, this was a fun thing with me. You're now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. And uh, my husband said, well, you sure? And I said, yeah, they're coming today. And he said, well, I think I'll stay home from work today. And I said, great. So I, uh, he's in bed reading the paper. I go to the local bakery to get some bakery goods and plug in the coffee pot. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. And it's 12 o'clock. It's 1 o'clock. He said, are you sure? 
And I said, yeah, they, they we won it. Uh, they just have to let us know. And about well, about two o'clock, I got a phone call, and they said, uh, uh, Mrs. Hadso, we're so we're the president of Formica, and um, and the um, company that sponsor, uh, sponsored it, and um, we'd like to come out and talk to you about something. And uh, but uh, we want your husband to be there, and I assume he's working. And I said, well, yeah, but he took the day off. Well, is he ill? I said, no, he just happened to want to take the day off, so he's here. So they came, <laughs> they came 20 minutes later, and now they talked, and they were a little, you know, made small talk, and we had coffee and so forth, and I was just as antsy as I could be, you know. I thought, when are they going to get to this? And, you know, I had to act surprised because they expected, so I, we, I squealed, and, you know, like they do on on some of these shows that uh, the price is right when people get ecstatic about winning something because they expected it. So that's how I won the house. And, wow. uh, yes, many, 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 many trips. My sons won trips to Europe, and they were very, 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 uh, oh, well, educational, and it was just a lot of fun. So then... No, oh, sorry, yes, go ahead. Well, after I had won everything possibly could win, I wrote this book, and then I got on, uh, after that I was working with Jose, and then I learned so many, many, many how powerful the mind is and had confirmation on what I was doing by uh, projecting and uh, selecting and projecting, expecting, collecting, all of these things. Uh, the mind does this. I mean, when we're focused on something, we're sending energy for that end result. And if we don't interfere, it has to come to us. That's just a cosmic law as far as I'm concerned. So everything is energy. Our thoughts are energy. Uh, this now fascinated me. So I got on another kick, I would call it. I wanted to learn everything I could about self-awareness. Everything, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Why am I doing this? Why am, do I have a hang-up here? And uh, that's when I really got serious about self-awareness and uh, finding out about myself. So that went into another facet of a daring adventure for me. And I used uh, the same techniques uh, when I want, when I had an interest in something. So, and that, that's kind of where I was going with it um, as yes. well, because you know it's a lot more than than frying pans that we're talking about here. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. um, uh-huh. <laughs> because the law, as you, as you say, I mean, it, it's got to be um, applicable to anything, right? And yes. and if uh-huh. you can do it and, and some other people can do it, we obviously are all able to do it. Oh, yes, and, definitely. So the first question comes with limits, if any. You know, what have you applied besides contests with this? Oh, well, um, after I uh, worked with Jose and uh, I then learned the program, somebody said, how many times did you sit through the lecture? And I'd say, three, four hundred times. And they'd think, well, you're an idiot. And I said, no, I was his PR, and every time he had a class or anybody had a class, I would register and be there and greet him, etc., and do the promotions and things. Uh, so I got to know him so well and then sit in every, every class for two, three years. So it would, I mean, I knew it to such a degree that I could give it to you verbatim on what he pre- uh, what he presented in each class and that's getting to know the subject now all of them when i when i got into that area i then had uh, sort of notoriety because of my success in entering contests and so 
I was invited to go to different areas around the United States, and I hadn't really had that much. I mean, there were many exciting places I wanted to see, and so they would contact me, and I would just sit there and say, I'd like to go to New York and uh, do a workshop in New York. And uh, one of the, um, this was very interesting, because one of the soap opera queens there, what was her name, I think, June Graham, in one of the operas, soap operas, daily operas, called me and said, would I come to New York and uh, present my program on self-awareness? So I got to New York, and then I wanted to, hey, I think I would like to go to San Francisco. I've never been there. And then I'd get a call from San Francisco. I would see it as an end result, and uh, it worked for me in that area. And then all of a sudden, I am, um, as a child, I had uh, sort of pushed back that area. I was able to see in another dimension. You are now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. And everybody has this capability, but it's dormant, or they're frightened with it, or they're talked out of it, which I was talked out of it. My mother said, you have a vivid imagination, or you lie. And that then I just let that be. But I could see people in another dimension, and some were almost as solid as I was. Well, this fascinated me, and I took a lot of time trying to work out what's going on here. And all of a sudden, I could see people I could communicate. And then I thought, just a minute, some people are coming with messages. Some people are aberrations when there uh, is something serious. And then there are thought forms that people create. I was listening to people. I was discussing the this particular frame that I was re- very serious with. And all of a sudden, I made a decision that many, many people that are lonesome or negative or whatever create a thought form. And the thought form, uh, they work back and forth with this thought form. But how can you prove something like that? So what I did was I projected that I would have this answer. And the answer came when I went to England. There's a place in England, 34 Belgrave Square. It's called the Spiritual Frontier. And they, what they do is they train medium, talk to the dead and so forth, which I wasn't interested in. But I thought, I want to see if there's any credibility to this. I went to England. My husband went with me. I sat in seance rooms for three weeks studying who's coming to seances, what are people learning, and then sitting there downstairs and talking and listening to them. And that's when I made an evaluation. And boy, did I learn something there. I learned that most people that went there, they had um, their loved ones had died, and the medium was reassuring them then that their loved ones are waiting for them, etc. And they would appear in this situation where I was, and the medium would uh, convey the message to the people that were there. And I thought, thought form, this is a thought form, this is a thought form, because from the information that I gathered. But one day, uh, there was a, and this would take me an hour to discuss because it's so long to get the end result, I will say, I was very surprised when a woman that I sat beside came in just as a, just to, uh, just to spend the afternoon. She was on a tour, 
and somebody told her to come by and see this place. And I got acquainted with her, and the medium said, is Roberta here? And uh, she raised her hands. I have a message from you, from your aunt. She said, uh, uh, your mother is with us, with us now, and you need to uh, take care of the body and so forth. And this is held in this seance room. And uh, this girl just just was discombobulated. And after the medium told her, in essence, that the mother was dead, so she ra- she ran out of the room. I went with her. We went downstairs, and she said, "Why would people be that way?" And I knew she was then apprehensive. And I said, "Well, why don't you call?" Her? Well, she said, "My mother's fine. I left my mother. She's fine." And uh, I said, "Well, why don't you call her?" And uh, have confirmation because sometimes these are idiots and they are seeking sensationalism and trying to sort of soften the blow for her. And she called and there was no answer. And I said, and she said, well, we live in the apartment building. And I said, well, why don't you call one of your friends or who has a key to your mother's and they can uh, here's the uh, have them call you here downstairs and we'll wait and see your mother may maybe um, out walking the dog or whatever. And she did. She called the um, man that took care of the building. And his wife was a good friend of the mother. So the wife went up there and opened the door, and the mother had died in her sleep. So she called our place in England. And, of course, the girl had to go back home, take care of the arrangements. But her aunt had appeared in the seance room, and her aunt was no longer in the physical. So that really and truly got me to thinking. And I came back, and I did a lot of talk shows at that time because there were so many things happening. And one of the people, I don't even recall who heard me, and said, hey, I want to take you to uh, Russia, and I want you to present a paper on your ghost thought forms and aberrations because we have not had this kind of investigation, and we'd like for you to join us there. And it was a psychotronic congress held in uh, 72 in uh, Moscow, and then I got to go to Russia for two weeks and present my paper, and well, I mean, this can go on and on. There was one exciting venture right after the other. Wow. You are now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. And I'm still having it. And I wrote, I wrote a book. I called it um, the um, Confessions of an 83-Year-Old Sage. I wrote this two years ago. And uh, no holes are barred. Every, every story in there is a personal experience. And then I have a technique that uh, if you want to pursue it, you can go ahead. And this is what worked for me. And that's, that's where I'm at. Wow. And still, every day there's something. <laughs> uh, the Wall Street Journal just contacted me last week and want to do an article on uh, my winning, and then the Sun National Publication, you know, on the newsstands, National Enquirer, etc. There's a uh, publication called the Sun. I send them the spec article because I wrote to the 
picture. And I said, how does this grab you? I've read enough doom and gloom on your front page. How about something uplifting for these people that are going through a, a crisis of uh, not having jobs, etc., and pressed and all this? I said, let's give them something to look forward to. I'd like for you to publish uh, my article on spec. Two days later, I got an email and said, send me your picture and we're going to run the story. This was a couple of weeks ago. I haven't had any more confirmation that uh, that their article's out yet, but um, I'm certain that they'll put, maybe they may put it there in a little corner, but I'm looking for the front page of that <laughs> Sun magazine so we can get this message out that, hey, wait a minute, you kids aren't using your mind to its full potential. Shame on you. You have it there. No. I'm there's so much in there. I mean, there's just so much that you can do instead of doom and gloom and pity party and a drama queen, et cetera, you know. So oh, there you I, got it. Yeah. I mean, this brings up the question, like like you mentioned, the front page, and we kind of chuckle, but, I mean, can you not use the, the technique and make it happen? Well, yeah, that's what I'm – that's my end result, Kit. That's my end <laughs> result now, and here I told the whole world. <laughs> but <laughs> – it hasn't happened yet. Uh, it takes, you know, I, it's not instantaneous. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not a nut. I mean, I'm not saying uh, that it's going to happen overnight. But when you have enough energy on something, then it has to come to you. It's just a law. That's all. The only way I can explain it. It's a law, and I've done it so much, so often with so many people. I actually, after I got off the lecture circuit, which was real, real exciting, and we had so many case histories that were phenomenal, really phenomenal, that happened. I, I could write 20 or 30 books, but I encouraged the people that had these experiences, write your own story. But when I came back, I decided, now, with my book sales, initially I um, had seen, envisioned a, a nice center here in Alvarado on the outskirts of Fort Worth on spot, I'd say 20 miles from Fort Worth. And I was at Love This Lake area. And I had envisioned a center where people would come and take my classes. That's what I wanted. And when I got book royalties from a young man that took my book and put it on direct mail, he had a vision to go to India. He went to we were, He had a vision I'd make a million and he'd make a million. Well, this happened, and so I was able to, to build a center out here and live here. It's only five acres. It's very unpretentious because I just, uh, this is what I wanted. So I had people from all over this cotton-picking world. I had the ambassador from Trinidad come to spend a week. I had people, every country came just from reading my book and wanting to spend time here for a week or, well, most of them, two, three, four days to make it worthwhile. And so that's what I continued to do for the last 10 years was just having people and sharing experiences. But in the interim, I was invited to Peru, and this was in, I think, 86. And I had planned how I went there and what transpired, and I, I thought, well, I'll be there a week. Well, I was there two and a half months, and I was counseling people from the embassy, from all of the affluent, from all walks of life. And uh, it was, well, it's just been very, very exciting. So how did you, I mean, this is a this is a much more diverse than sort of law of attraction, what you focus on expands kind of thing. How did you get into sort of the intuitive realm? 
everything that we want to do is desire. Desire is a criteria for everything. When you have a desire and you project the desire, you can use the spec to do this. I have the desire to know more about myself. I have the desire to be in the presence of a person, place, or thing that will teach me or demonstrate this desire of knowing myself. And that's why I went to Peru, really, because I didn't even want to go. I did not project that. That was one thing I did not project, but I did project that I would be in a place or with people where I could learn more about myself. And this is what higher intelligence decided. Well, you got to go to Peru, kid, because when you get over there, you're going to have so many experiences that you're not even going to question all these aspects about self-awareness that you wanted. And that's what made it so, so, so exciting. When these people would come to me, and I'm talking about the affluent, they'd come in their armored cars, and they were paranoid over there. They'd have these people come in, their guards come in, and the entrepreneur, that invited me initially, he heard me when I was one of the key speakers with uh, Jose. After I went into doing my own lecturing and workshops, etc., Jose and I remained close friends, and uh, periodically I would be invited to be one of the key speakers at his international convention. And this young man from Peru was there and heard me lecture, and he was adamant that I come to Peru and spend time with him. And I said, no, I have no desire to go there. That's not on my schedule, not interested, and continued to try to discourage him, and I just let it go. And it was two years later, after he met me, is the morning that I'm busy here, and I'm wanting to go to Sedona and find out, hey, there's got to be some good information there with vortexes and the people that are frequenting this place. And that was my goal. But instead, out of the blue, he called and said, you've got to be here by this particular date. I'll pay all your expenses. I will send you to Matsu Picchi. I'll, I, what, what do you want? But you have got to be here. And something intuitively said, must go. And I said, well, my passport's in order. Call me, and uh, we'll talk tomorrow. So that, that's what happened. I understand what you mean about Peru, though. I, I can tell you I've never been the same since that one either. Yeah. It's quite dramatic. <laughs> Wow. My experience was beyond the sort of, you know, tourist areas we went into, the middle of nowhere to check at Kiro, and I uh, filmed UFOs and had all kinds of bizarre communication going on. <laughs> but now, this, all of this conversation that we're talking about, this whole, I mean, it just been a, an amazing adventure in your life. What's the limit? What else have you applied these laws to? Like, have you changed something physically within yourself, you know, health-wise, or, you know, where are the limits that we can apply this to that you've experienced, if there are any? You are now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. I don't know. I'm 85 years old, and when I have a physical challenge because we're subjected to the environment, to the pollution, to other energy, I don't like to. I love my space here. Because I'm by myself and I love being by myself, but there are times that I need to get out in the public. And when you're out in the public, and this is not paranoid, you're picking up energy, subtle energies from other people. And it's not your 
situation. You're just open and you're picking up and then you have to rationalize and analyze, who does this belong to me? It doesn't belong to me. And I went through that phase where I knew that if someone was thinking about me and they had a physical challenge, I would pick them up mentally and I would have a challenge and I would think it was mine. And I would call them or they would call me and I would say, what's the matter with your knee? My gracious. And then they would tell me. I mean, this was their problem, not mine. But that's the way energy works. And so you have to be very discerning and very, very tuned in and put an auric field around you on a continuing basis to protect this this ball of energy. You don't need all those outside influences. Sometimes you open yourself and it has to be reinforced. So it's um, been very, very interesting. I don't have know you how ever long... applied this law to you know a physical challenge that came up for you that was yours? Uh, yes, I did. I had I have a doctor from another dimension that comes to me and tells me what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, I, I wrote a whole story about that one. And uh, it uh, it worked. Yeah, it worked. I, I made this physical doctor that I was having challenges, real, real challenges of elimination and uh, urinating and so forth. And uh, when I got this physical doctor and he said well you have to now you let this go you have to go to a no my spiritual doctor said you have to go to a physical doctor to have it uh, balanced because you're still in a physical and I didn't care for that but he says one thing I want you to know everything's going to be fine even at that age I was 69 said uh, always throughout this entire ordeal you have a sense of humor and a sense of humor with this okay I go to this doctor and he does um, uh, takes x-rays and things and I come back for his evaluation and he tells me that I have this mammoth tumor a growth there in between well someplace in in the anatomy it had to be removed but it looks like there's, it's cancerous because there's so much other indications around it and he couldn't perform the surgery. I had to go to an oncologist so I and over in Dallas I went to this surgeon got into his office now I I take along my pictures that he took of me x-ray pictures I get there and this young doctor greets me and he's got these pictures up now he's trying to show me and he said see this mass here and I said yeah is it a boy or a girl and he looked at me and he, what do you mean I said is it a boy or a girl well of course then immediately thought I'm having mental problems I was trying to do a joke you know and I, I said he, he said Mrs. Hadsell this is serious and I said lighten up lighten up don't you ever read the National Enquirer space aliens are coming down impregnating us all the time and I mean he looked at me like wow and I said, joke time, joke time. Now, this is how stupid it was, but I made this whole thing into a joke, an absolute joke. And then when he said to me, you're going to have to consent to have blood because at your age, we have always problems of losing too much blood and we have to sometimes transfusions. I said, well, I'm glad you told me that because I can stop the bleeding. And he said, what? I said, well, you've heard of mind over matter. See, this is a technique we got, we were given in the Silva training, mind over matter. I said, well, I'll stop the bleeding for you. And now he knows that I'm crazy. He, he thinks there's got to be something mentally wrong with me. 
And I said, yeah, I will. And then he said, I'll do this in, well, we'll set it up in about, let's say, two or three weeks. I said, no, you won't. You're doing, this was a Friday. And I said, you're doing this Monday morning. I said, I have to be at a convention in Laredo in three weeks. And I'm one of the key speakers. And I can't let Jose down. And now again, he said, I can't do this. And I said, don't just sit there. Get on the telephone and make it happen. He gets on the phone because he needs another doctor in surgery and the anesthetist and uh, the operating room, etc. And within 15 minutes, he has me scheduled for Monday to have surgery because I want to get it over with. And that was it. And then I get in there and Monday morning, I spend the night there. They have a hotel there at that particular hospital, my husband and I. And I get in there and uh, when I wake up from all of the surgery anesthetist. I've got the anesthetist and I've got the other doctor and the nurses all and my husband standing around my bed. And the anesthetist said, I just want to know one thing. How did you stop the bleeding? He said, you didn't bleed. And so anyway, these are things like, I don't know what limit you have or what limits you put on yourself. I don't know. But when I met Paul Twitchell, uh, have you ever heard of Ekenkar, the ancient scientist? Okay. I knew Paul personally, and when he came, I never solicited him, came to my home to meet me, and so did Dr. Joseph Murphy, Powers of the Subconscious Mind. They came to Irving to meet me, and so I had nothing to do with it, but I was to learn from these people, and I think that's how it was set up. But anyway, Paul was saying that his guide or his mentor or whatever was in the Himalayas, and he was 300 years old, and while he was sitting there with my husband and my friend Ellen, and uh, she brought him to meet me that night because he was going to have a lecture in Dallas, and I wasn't going to go. I, I had no intention of going to his lecture because he was charging $50 for three hours, and I said, that's ludicrous, not going. And uh, when he got off the plane, he said, uh, he wants to meet me. And uh, she brought him to my home. This was at 9 at night. And uh, while we're sitting there talking, I'm looking, and this tall being is standing beside him. And uh, you know, I still think, well, is it the light that's forming something, you know, like clouds, you can see designs in clouds, etc. Is my mind playing tricks? And finally, Paul looked at me, he said, something seems to be bothering you. And I said, yes, I, I have this vivid imagination, and I see this tall man beside you, and he's barefooted, and uh, he's smiling. I said, wow, my imagination is going rampant tonight. And he laughed, and he said, no, that's Rebazar Taurus, and um, if he bothers you, I'll send him away. So this was not a thought form. It was actually, uh, he came by his own volition, and we got a big charge out of that. If we're able to heal the small thing, or you're able to do any kind of mind over matter thing, which, boy, which is a whole other series of shows, and you're able to control your blood flow, then why do we age at all? Why do we have to keep hopping in and out and going through all this bother of starting over again? Because there were so many, many, many people that have this concept, it's taken president all of this will change our lifespan should i can get into the metaphysical we're in and out of our body on a continuing basis and this can go on for 20 or 30 hours honey if i get into all of the things that i have experienced and observed and learned we can't end our time together on a cliffhanger like that without me inviting you back (laughs) (laughs) we have to do this again You are now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. 
Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. Yeah, man. We all love to hear the good news. So we all should rush to hear the good news. But we tell us to find the good news. NSTN, NSTN, news for the soul at the very best. NSTN, NSTN, news for the soul at the very best. NSTN, NSTN, news for the soul at the very best. Yeah, man, just like that, news for the soul that comes. Can you hear me? We are a life-changing talk radio. We give you good news to keep you on the go. And you can also share the good news you know And that's the way we keep in the flow We only focus on the positive things, yeah We only focus on the positive things, yeah We not go put none of the negative in there We not go put none of the negative in there NFTN, NFTN News for the soul at the very best NFTN, NFTN News for the soul at the very best Log on to www.newsforthesoul.com Come here, good news. Share good news. And we all feeling good. For good news. The News for the Soul Radio Network airs daily and our archives are always totally free. Go to newsforthesoul.com to join the next live show now. That's newsforthesoul.com. And we love news for the show. I'm feeling enormous energy around this show. Just enormous, enormous. Uh, I, I really have to hand it to you, Nicole. You have created sort of a niche of amazing, amazing connections. It's just like <laughs> the angels and the devatas that are like attracted to news for the soul is amazing. Uh, this is what's wait. getting it's it's some angel telling somebody okay listen get on this show listen to this program even not my program whatever program you've got on it's really amazing hard to believe it's uh, 17 years since uh, I was there in Vancouver and you were sitting there in class and you were using remote viewing and I think I said to you that uh, you were going to be a radio talk show host or something along those lines it wasn't really a prediction it was just a kind of a sense of who you were and what you were doing and the direction you were going and wow voila and there you were Uh, (laughs) and still going but it's amazing look at what you've done with it I just wanted to say I'm very proud of you uh, for what you've accomplished uh, for just the format to the assemblage of wonderful people great minds and people who are working to serve humanity and do the things that they do. It's really, I've been looking through your list of callers and, uh, I mean, uh, of uh, interviewees, and you just do a tremendous job. I'm so proud of you. Uh, I really am. And uh, I'm proud of all the people that support you and follow you and do what they do and just keep doing that for for this wonderful woman. Uh, it's so important because there are not a lot of really high-quality message portals that are out there where messengers get to come in and say what they want to say. Uh, in this format, so it's because of your support of her that she's able to continue doing that. So please step that up and continue doing it. And I just want to do it more. I mean, I feel good being here and being with you. 
I always do when I'm talking with you. So I think we just need to keep doing this more. Hello, everybody. This is Damian Brinkley. Welcome to the hearts and minds of Informa. This is News for the Soul. Hello, this is Satyan Raja, and you're listening to News for the Soul. Be open in your mind, your body, your being. Allow yourself to drench in this awesome information to evolve you to your next place. Hey, this is Dave Morehouse, and you're listening Ready. to News it's for the Soul. It's time for News for the Soul. Life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. Join us as we celebrate 11 years of empowerment broadcasts, becoming the number one life-changing talk radio show in the world, according to Google, AOL, MSN, YouTube, and more, and home to the largest, totally free, transformational audio library in the world, all found at newsofthesoul.com. And now, here's your host and the founder of News of the Soul, the one they're calling the Oprah of the Internet, Nicole Whitney. Good afternoon. We're live again. I'm Nicole Whitney, and this is News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. And it's especially unexplained today because, well, we're going to be explaining it. Well, I won't be, but physicist Tom Campbell will be. He's my guest this hour, this day, and we're going to have some fun live on the air, hopefully. Physicist Tom Campbell, author of the great book trilogy, My Big Toe, as in T-O-E, as in Theory of Everything. And uh, let's get started. He is one of our special regulars. Let's see if Tom Campbell's on the line and ready to start our always intriguing discussions. Tom, are you there? I'm here, Nicole. Oh, Tom, welcome back to News for the Soul. It's been a while since we've talked. Yeah, it's great to be here. We're going to have fun tonight, I think. I think so. <laughs> well, we always do. And uh, so are you finding that people are, are getting what you're talking about? Are they getting it? Are they there? Are they really enthusiastically awakening? Are you seeing a change? Well, you know, um, you can get this on a lot of different levels, and mm -hmm. people get it on the level at which they kind of are capable of getting it at the time. And, and that's a lot of different levels. So everybody doesn't get it in the same way. Uh, it depends on the individual and what, where they are and their understanding of the bigger picture, the beliefs they have, the you know, expectations, the investment they have in things being a certain way. A lot of uh, beliefs get broken when you get into my work. Uh, there's some, there's uh, many things about it that require you to discard old beliefs and see things in a, in a bigger, broader pattern. So, yes, people are getting it, but exactly how they're getting it and at what level, that's really hard to tell. Some of them get it almost the whole way, and most get it about halfway, and there's a fair amount that just get it a little bit. But we're making progress. Yes, it, uh, it, gets, it gets better. The more people get exposed to it, you know, the more they understand. I find people tell me all the time that, uh, you know, I read your book the first time, and thought I understood all of it. And then about three months later, I read it again and didn't think I'd ever seen it before. You know, it's like I was reading it for the first time. And, mm -hmm. and then uh, they'll read it a third time and say, well, gee, there was so much in it on the third time that I never, I never got the first two times. That's because every time you read it, you grow some, you learn some, you change, you're a different person. You take some time to integrate that, 
And then when you read it again, gosh, there's all kinds of things there that just uh, didn't seem to be there before. So, yes, people are getting it, but as they will. And I'm curious if you're able to, if anyone's ever asked you this, if you can sum up the true nature of what you've discovered about our reality, our world, our existence, in, you know, just a few sentences. Well, how about in uh, three words or less? That would be good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I was asked this in Austin, a radio station. Um, the uh, person there said, well, you know, Einstein uh, summed up all of his uh, you know, understanding and just, uh, you know, E equals MC squared. Do you have anything that's that succinct, you know, that you can share with us? And I thought about it for a moment, and basically to boil it down to the fewest words is reality is information. Reality okay. is information. And consciousness is reality. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the heart of it. So what does that really mean? Well, what that means is that, um, well, it actually, that has a lot of, of, um, of logical, um, you follow that logically and you end up with a lot of conclusions. One is, is that this reality that we are in is a virtual reality. We're living in a virtual reality. This physical reality is not primary and it's not fundamental. Consciousness is the fundamental reality. And consciousness is information and it's digital. The simplest expression of information is a is a uh, a bit, you know, an on or an off, a one or a zero. And the simplest form of bits is binary. So if we get down to the to the very uh, simplest description that we can of reality, we find it's information. When I look at look at our reality and this physical reality, you know, it's just digital information and we all know that because what is it? It's it's our senses, right? It's light. Well the light comes into our eyes it's focused on the retina, and then what happens? It gets turned into digital information. It gets turned into little electrical, discrete electrical signals. Discrete, that's what I mean by digital. Those electrical si signals then uh, move along the nervous system. You get neurons that move, and you get patterns of neurons. So that information that was, you know, what we think is real, what we're looking at, what we see, as soon as it gets to our bodies, basically, it gets converted into digital information. Now, same with the smell and hearing and all of those, all of the senses we have, which basically define our reality. That's how we see that this world is real. We see it through our senses, and that sense data, as soon as it gets to us, is all turned into digital information. So, thinking that reality is digital information, uh, you know, shouldn't be that uh, that large a conceptual jump. Now, if you could. Let's say you uh, have a, a virtual reality um, uh, game or a virtual reality creator. You know, we have these things. You know, before pilots fly real planes, they get in simulators and they fly pretend planes. And these, these simulators are very realistic. So they can, give them, they can run these pilots through all sorts of emergency procedures that you would never want to do in a real plane, like you're at 10,000 feet and your engines quit. Now, you don't want to do that in a real plane because not only might you kill yourself, but you might destroy a you know, a $200 million plane. So they do all that sort of thing in simulators. A simulator is just a virtual reality generator. But now think if we had a virtual reality generator that could put little electrical pulses into our optic nerve and into our auditory nerves and so on so that we would see and hear and smell and, and touch things. It would just put those signals into our nervous system just like those signals get in there from our senses. Could we tell the difference? No it would create the same reality we have here.
So how can you tell the difference between a virtual reality that's putting um, digital information into your nervous system as opposed to your senses putting digital information into your nervous system? Well, you can't. There is no difference. So that gets us into the conclusion that you know, Descartes came to this conclusion uh, you know, a century or so ago when, with the, I think, therefore I am. Well, he started with the idea, what can we depend on? What do we know for sure? And he went through all the obvious things and, and finally ended up with the conclusion that the only thing you really know for sure is that you're conscious. Think, therefore you am. That's the, that's the uh, but, kind of the summation. So if everything is information, everything is, is coming to us as information, what are we? What are we? We are individuated units of consciousness. We are a little subset, a little clump a little organization of consciousness, and that means we are data. We have data that represents all of the things that we've ever seen, heard, smelled, you know, and not only this lifetime, but any other lifetime. So all of our experience is in, with data. Now, we have memory, you know, data storage. Uh, we have feedback loops so that we can learn. We can look at the data coming in and process on it and then uh, decide whether our free will actions that were taken based on that data were, were good ones or not good ones, and then we can change them. So it's a, um, a self-modifying subset of information is what we are as individuals. All of our history, all of our experiences are all there. They make up us. So we're a, we're a subset of information, and what we're doing here, our point, is to, to grow, you know, to grow up, to evolve. Consciousness this larger consciousness system that has all these individuated consciousnesses in it that are just a part of that system. You know, we're all part of the one. We're all netted together in this uh, consciousness uh, network. And the, the point is to evolve. This is a real finite system. It's evolving, too. It's not just that we're evolving, but the whole consciousness system is evolving. We're part of a, of a, of a uh, you know, a living, growing, evolving thing here. And in, in the books, I, I uh, describe this in terms of entropy. Entropy is a measure of, of disorder, a measure of an ability to have an effect. And you increase your ability to have an effect by growing up, by learning, by growing, by becoming more spiritual, having a higher quality of consciousness. You, all these things amount to the same thing. And you do that by decreasing the entropy of your of your own subset, which means you organize the bits at your disposable at your disposal into a more profitable configuration. So that's kind of the big picture of consciousness, reality, and who and what we are, and you know what we're all about. We're about growing up, about becoming love. Now, what's love? Love is the nature of a low entropy consciousness. So as we grow, as we become more spiritual, as we evolve and increase the quality of our consciousness, we become more love-like. Not that we become more loving. We do that too. But we as an individual entity just express love as our uh, entropy decreases, as we become more, you know, you know, more evolved as beings. Uh, so that whole lot of, I just kind of, kind of uh, overdone it here. No, it's a perfect introduction for what we're, we're planning today. You're now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights. 
life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. We're talking to Tom Campbell, physicist and author of My Big Toe Trilogy, Theory of Everything, and you're not going to want to miss anything that happens today. We're going to see if we can experiment with what we are. Okay, so tell me about, let's get into the topic of, of the, you know, we we discussed teleporting and, and limits of what you could do once you okay. became aware of what made All right, uh, I, I kind of have a few things uh, planned today. Uh, one, I wanted to uh, do a little audience audience participation, if you think that's good. We'll get your audience involved in this. I think that's excellent. Yeah, And do it. what I'd like to do is teach your audience how to diagnose illness and then how to heal that illness. Okay. A little experiment worked up for that. Then I thought we'd uh, do a little remote viewing uh, with the audience. And then at the end, I know this is your one of your heart sets. It's been since we discussed, uh, since we first talked, I think, uh, a year or two ago, this teleportation experiment. So we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to do that as well. So I thought uh, we could do all of those. I think we have time to do them all and still uh, talk a little bit about what it all means and you know how it works. And my point in doing these experiments isn't to you know wow anybody with with the experiments. That's not it. The experiments may or may not work. The point is that they will be good learning points, you'll learn a lot, and it will give your audience a way of doing their own experiments. Once we go through this process, they'll see how they can repeat this process many times and collect their own evidence. So this will give them something, some way that they can start on their own process of experiencing the larger reality. And the diagnosing and healing, uh, we're actually going to do a little time shifting as well, and uh, the remote viewing. These things are not as hard to do as most people think. We tend to make them hard to do by our beliefs and our expectations. And once we get ourselves out of the way, once we can get that intellect to be quiet, and, and once we get ourselves out of the way and get our beliefs um, down and our fears down, then all this stuff really is not hard. It's natural. It's as natural as breathing. You basically just have to get out of the way. And what does all this have to do with what we started with about, you know, uh, reality is information and so on? Well, once you understand the basic nature of reality, then you understand how all these paranormal things work. You understand, uh, uh, you know, what's going on and how you can interact with them. You understand what your point is. Uh, You're able to visit, go traveling in this larger reality. It just opens up a whole lot of things. And this this view of... uh, Consciousness being the fundamental reality, it unifies physics because what comes out of this, now we're not going to get into that kind of detail, but part of what comes out of this is an explanation of quantum mechanics, an explanation of the double slit experiment, which scientists, uh, you know, your mainstream scientists still uh, scratching their heads about that. Well, a, a logical explanation of why that is, why that has to be the way it is, comes right out of the same theory. So it's integrating metaphysics and physics um, it uh, will explain theology and, to an ex- some extent, psychology. And things just tend to fall into place. People who have read, uh, say, Eastern mysticism for years, and then after they read uh, The My Big Toe, suddenly it all makes sense to them because it comes into a context, a logical context, that they can, that they can understand it. It's not quite so much poetry and description as it is uh, 
logic and science. So it is a kind of a, you know, it's a theory of everything, and it has to explain everything. And that means the normal as well as the paranormal, you know, the uh, you know, metaphysical as well as the physical. So that's mm-hmm. the basis where we are. And uh, since we started with the theory, I just have one little thing I'll add to it. And then if you don't mind, we'll just get right into the, uh, into the audience participation. Start, uh, it's perfect. Start, start with that. Okay. Well, okay. the one, you know, since we started with the theory, we said that... Um, you know, consciousness is information. Consciousness is a fundamental reality. We should also say that everybody's reality is individual. You are an individual person with an individual consciousness, and your reality is individual. Okay, information must be interpreted, and that interpretation is personal and subjective. It has to be both, because this is your interpretation from your consciousness. So everything that we that makes up our reality really has to be personal and subjective. Okay? The concept of objectivity that we talk about here in our physical reality is a, what can we say, is a, is a hallucination. It's an approximation. There is no objective reality. Well, why do we think this physical reality is objective? And we say, well, you have to do objective science and you need to you know, get objective results. Well, if it's all information... And as I mentioned, it's the information you take through your senses, which turns into digital information in your, in your brain and in your nervous system. And we have to interpret that information. Then what's objective about it? It's subjective because we have to interpret it. Why do we think it's objective? Because we all tend to interpret it about the same way. And why do we do that? Well, we do that because our sensory um, apparatus, you know, our, our sight and, and hearing and so on, between people is all very similar. We all hear about the same things. We all see about the same things. So we all agree on what we see and hear because we're all taking in basically the same data. So that tends to make the world look very consistent and objective. But actually, we know that's not true. If you have five people standing on the same street corner and they, uh, and they observe an accident, you'll get five different accident reports. Uh, that's you know that's kind of infamous that that witnesses differ who witness the very same thing and that's because we all interpret what we witness there there are there are facts yes but each individual lives in their own reality and interprets that reality in a way that's based on their own history their own uh, database you know what they've experienced is how you have to interpret that so if we get into a realm where we're not all sensing in the same way, like a realm where we're communicating telepathically, where we're just sharing data back and forth. It's not through our senses. It's just chunks of data like paragraphs and chapters at a time. Well, then we don't all interpret it the same way. So that's why here in the physical, it seems like everything's buttoned down and very tight because we all interpret mostly what we see the same way. Now, what if we're in different cultures? If we're in different cultures, we can interpret things very, very differently. Uh, but if we're in the same culture, then we all pretty much agree. Now, how do we describe these things that we see? When we are interpreting this information that we see with our eyes, we, in, we interpret it in terms of metaphors and symbols. Language is just metaphors and symbols. Okay, So uh, I want to get that kind of basic understanding down that metaphors and symbols uh, are an imperfect process. 
they're not objective and they are subjective. So when we, when we start doing these uh, diagnosing and healing, everybody will have their own view of it, and that's as it should be. There is no one right answer. There's a lot of different people who are observing and interpreting in their own way. But we can develop ways of doing this that make us all effective, and that's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna do next. Okay? Okay. So where do we start? Well, let's start. I hope we have a bunch of people out there who are uh, listening, who have a, a way that they can work with us. You know, what we're going to be doing now is going to require you to, uh, one, uh, let's do diagnosing first. Uh, you should find a quiet spot where you can, where you can still uh, hear this uh, broadcast. You don't have to meditate. That's not necessary that you go into a, a meditation state. Uh, it is necessary that you aren't bothered by things and you're not doing something. So if you happen to be preparing a meal, then that's not going to work too well because that's uh, um, going to be distracting to you. But if you can sit down someplace and close your eyes, uh, that helps. Closing the eyes just shuts out a lot of, a lot of uh, data that competes for your attention. Now, if you're out there driving a car, please don't shut your eyes. You know, that would be a bad thing to do. So for those of you who can safely find a a quiet spot and kind of close your eyes, then uh, let's, let's go ahead uh, with those and, and see what, uh, what we can do. First of all, attitude is very important, okay? No expectations, no beliefs, just do it and observe. Okay? You know, that's important. No judgments, no second-guessing. No analyzing, no trying to, to listen to what I'm saying and, and try to guess at the right answer. We all have this sense. I think we pick it up in, in uh, kindergarten and, and all the way through college. We, we pick up this idea that we need to get the right answer. You know, you, we get points for getting the right answer. So as you hear information, you hear data, everybody immediately starts processing and guessing at where's this going, what's the right answer, you know, what am I supposed to get. And that just gets in the way and interferes with it. That will destroy the process. So no expectations, no beliefs. Just do it. I'm going to give you instructions. Just do it and observe what happens. There's, no, um, there's nothing in particular that you should expect. I'm not going to give you enough information that you could guess anyway. So if you think you're, you could guess, you're just going to confuse yourself. Okay. Now, to begin with, imagine a vanilla or white gingerbread cookie. Can you see that in your mind, this gingerbread cookie? Okay. Now, you don't need to see it in high resolution. Uh, this is not a photograph. Just see it or feel it. Just kind of know it's there. So what you're seeing is, is kind of a humanoid form. It's got a head, a neck, an upper body, arms, hands, lower body, legs, feet, and that's about it. It doesn't have a little happy face on it. You know, it doesn't have little eyes or anything. It's just a humanoid outline figure. So just see that and see it as a light vanilla gingerbread cookie kind of thing, okay? Now, let it go to where you're not seeing it. All right, now bring it back. See it again. Vague is okay. Okay, now I just want you to kind of get used to being able to see that, uh, that humanoid outline when you, when you want to. So let it go again. Let that go. So now it's just blank. You're not looking at anything. Okay, now, I want you to intend, intent is very important in this process. I want you to intend that this humanoid shape 
is my friend Dan. Okay? And it's my friend Dan today. Right now as Dan is today. But just that's an intention. See, all right? Let's bring that, that humanoid shape back up again and say, now this humanoid shape represents Dan. Tom's friend Dan. Now that's all you need to know. You don't need to know. You don't have to have a lock of his hair or see his picture or all that stuff is unnecessary. It's just Tom's friend Dan will do because that is a unique address. Okay, now the next thing I want you to intend is that anything or any area that's not healthy or fit is dark. And the more unhealthy it is, the darker it is. Okay, now this dark stuff, if there's anything in Dan that's unhealthy, the dark stuff should contrast pretty well with the light, healthy background of this vanilla cookie image. Okay, so we have a kind of a white cookie, and we're intending that this cookie represents Dan's health, and we're intending that if there's anything about Dan's health that isn't really good, we will see that as dark color on this white cookie background. All right. Now, let's look at Dan the Cookie Man and see if you see any dark spots. Okay, now just kind of scan the cookie. Do you see any dark spots? Do you see, you know, look at the head, look at the neck, look at the upper body, look at the arms, look at the hands, look at the lower body, look at the legs, look at the feet. Okay, now I'm, I'm taking you through this quickly, but that's all right. Quicker is better. Now, remember what you saw. Okay, you looked at the cookie, you looked at all the, the parts of the body, and it was white. Anything that was wrong with Dan, you saw in the dark. Now, if it's just, let's say Dan just had a, a head cold, you'd probably see kind of just a cloudy light gray around the head. If Dan had a, a, a tumor somewhere, then you would see probably like a lump of coal. So that's what I mean by various shades of, of black. All right, now, we're going to do one more thing that's going to... Uh, uh, teach you something, and that is, let's switch the colors. Okay, we're going to switch black and white. Now look at Dan again, but now intend that anything that is good and healthy about Dan is black. So now you're looking at a black cookie, and anything that is healthy about Dan is white. So you should see a bright white spot, like a a white light showing up on any parts of his body, you know, again, we want to look at the, you know, the head, the upper body, the arms, the hands, the fingers, the lower body, the legs, okay, the feet, all of Dan. We just scan all over this cookie and see, and it's a black cookie now, and anything that's, that is uh, healthy is black, and anything that's going to be unhealthy we see as a spot of white. Now, it really doesn't make any difference whether we do black on white or white on black. It's our intent that matters. Okay, now I'm going to give you just a few seconds to kind of catch up. I've been talking quickly. So go ahead and, and do those things that I've told you. Kind of look at it and check it and make sure you get the same answer twice and three times. Okay? Now, the next thing we want to do is let's time shift. Okay, now you're looking at Dan the Cookie Man and intend that this cookie now represents Dan's health energy on January the 7th. That's a little, that's, you know, a couple of weeks ago. January the 7th, about two and a half weeks ago. So now look again. Do the same thing that we always did. You can intend again, if you like, that the white 
is healthy and good and the dark is unhealthy. That's that's more typical, but we can you can switch that. You just have to make sure your intention is clear. Don't confuse yourself that you go in and look and you haven't really intended which way it is. Purposely intend how you want the the, the uh, colors to what do you want the colors to represent. Say Dan now is two and a half weeks ago on January the seventh. Now look at him again and see if there's any difference. Do you see any difference in Dan? Head, neck, upper body, arms. Hands, fingers, lower body, legs, feet, toes. You what you get. Okay, now switch back with your intent to intend that Dan is is again. You're looking at energy of Dan that represents the way he is today. Look at that. See any differences? Look back at the way he was on the January the seventh. See if you can tell any differences. Okay, now I give you just about another 20 seconds or so just to uh, to kind of do this on your own. I've been going a little fast, so just just work this in your mind now while you're sitting there. No guessing, no intellect. Just look and observe. Now, if you don't see and you feel instead, that's fine. You can feel the light, feel the dark, feel the shape. Feeling is good, as well as seeing. All right. Now, I think everybody's done that. That is diagnosing, and that's really all you need to do to diagnose. And you can diagnose people. Uh, you need to practice. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit later just exactly, you know, what Dan's problem is, and you'll see whether or not you got it right or not. But for now, just, uh, you know, just kind of bear with me. And you've, we've now diagnosed Dan. You can find, go talk to people, a friend of yours, and say, friend of mine, do you know somebody who has an illness? And if you do, don't tell me what it is, but just write their first name down and give it to me and let me practice this. If you practice this 50 times before you start getting judgmental, you will begin to, to see sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, what that difference is, what your mindset was like, how focused were you. You'll get better at it. You maybe not be too good at it your first try, but you can get to where you can do this and are right 80, 90% of the time if you practice. Okay, I take it everybody's probably caught up to me. Now, let's heal Dan. So you've learned how to to uh, diagnose, and it has to do with your intent. Now, let's look at the uh, how to heal Dan. Okay, so let's all use the same, so we, so we don't confuse ourselves, let's all use the same uh, intention that light is good and dark is unhealthy. So let's use that model. Okay, so let's look at Dan as represented by the cookie humanoid shape. So that, that cookie now represents Dan's health energy. Okay, now remember where you saw the dark areas. Look at those dark areas, if you found any, and intend for those dark spots to turn white. Just intend, just look at them and see that they turn white. If you will, make them turn white. Make them turn bright white, very, very bright white, just so a white so bright that it's hard for you to actually look at it. You have to squint because it's so bright. Now, you can just make it turn bright like that, or you can use tools. You can make up tools. All tools are is things that help you focus your intent. 
So you can make a, like a, a laser tool, something that, that shines out a bright beam of, of intense light, and you can shine that on the dark spot. The light is a tool. It's not anything fundamental. You can, uh, you know, use a torch and burn that dark spot. You can use a vacuum cleaner and, you know, suck up that black spot. Do all kinds of things. But those are just tools that you invent that help you focus your intent. Or you can just intend it to be bright white. Now, see it bright white, then relax a bit and see if it goes back to dark. If it does, turn it back white again and make it stay that way. Intend that it, that it stays just bright, iridescent, glowing white wherever you saw dark. So now that whole cookie ought to be white. It ought to be white, and those, those problem areas ought to be even whiter. Okay? Now intend that that white be there permanently. That's a permanent white. All right. I'll give you just a, a few seconds to kind of catch up and, and, uh, and do that. Okay. Now, if this was a friend of yours or somebody you were trying to heal, you would do just what we've done. First you'd go in and, and do the diagnosis, then you'd go in and do the healing, and then you'd keep after it two or three or four times a day. You'd just kind of bring up an image of that person and make the spots just, just as white as you can get them, just as bright, sort of like uh, molten steel being poured into a, into a big ladle, that kind of a, a white that has its own light in it. Um, you would do this several times a day, and it shouldn't take you more than 20 seconds to do it. You don't have to go cross your legs and do aum and, and go into a meditation state. Just think of the, the gingerbread cookie. Think what it represents. Intend what you're going to do. Do it and let it go. 30 seconds, you can do this. And if you will do this, like I say, three, four times a day, and if you keep this up for a couple of weeks, I'll give you about a 90% chance that you will affect Dan's health or whoever it is that you're working on. You will have an effect. Now, you won't know immediately whether you've had an effect or not because one data point proves nothing. You don't know whether that person just got better, you know, because of what you did or because they just would have gotten better anyway. But you have to do it over and over again. I say, do this 50 times and you'll begin to understand what you're doing and what you're not doing, and you'll begin to learn from it. Okay, I give you a. I don't know if you have trouble working while I talk. Hope not. I'll give you maybe a few seconds of silence. Actually, it's better if you hear me talk because if I leave you alone in too much silence, your mind tends to wander, and you tend to start to analyze and do other things. My talking is actually part of the trick that keeps you focused on what you're doing better to listen to me talk than it is for you to start uh, operating inside your head. Okay, now on the 7th of January, here's the, here's the results and you can see what you saw. On the 7th of January, Dan told me that he broke or smashed his finger. Now, those of you out there that saw dark spot on this gingerbread cookie's finger, you know, you need to write an email to Nicole and tell her that you got it. And those of you who didn't, who saw it someplace else, now what does that mean? Does that mean you were wrong, that you just got it wrong? Well, maybe. Maybe it means that you were making it up, that you were actually operating. You, you couldn't follow the directions to, uh, 
and to not be thinking about it or operate, operating or guessing. But maybe, you know, you saw something that Dan doesn't know about. Uh, so you should have gone ahead and healed it anyway. Uh, you won't really get evidence from this other than the fact that if you did indeed see that spot on Dan's finger, you won't get evidence from this so much as you will when you do it over and over and over again. Okay, again, this is just to give you the idea of how to do it. Okay, he broke or strained his finger. Now, when you compared it with the, the January 7th with, with today, what did you find? Did you find it any different? Now, you could have guessed it. Well, whatever he had, it got better, or whatever he had, it got worse. But the fact is, it didn't either. It stayed the same. So the answer there was it should have looked about the same when you looked at it on January the 5th as it looked, I mean, January the 7th as you looked at it today. You shouldn't have seen a lot of difference in it. Now, what about that time shift when we intended that that cookie represented Dan on January the 7th? We could intend that and then heal that. We can actually heal people at the time that they got the injury and be very effective with it rather than only dealing with individuals in the present. So time, one of the things you should learn from this is that time is a variable. Okay? So. Let's, um, let's, oh, there's another question people ask. Well, what hand was it on? Was it his right hand or his left hand where he had that, that uh, broken or hurt finger? Well, we can't tell from what I told you to do. Why not? Because I didn't tell you to intend that you were looking at this cookie face on. In other words, the cookie's face was looking at your face or back. So you were looking at the back of the cookie's head. We didn't specify with our intent which way that cookie was, was directed. Were we looking at its back or looking at its front? So we don't know what's right and left because some of you would naturally assume that you were looking at the front, and some of you would just assume you were looking at the back, and right and left then would switch depending on how you did that. So if you want to know that kind of information, you have to intend the orientation of that cookie. Not just that it's there and that it's humanoid, but what is its orientation? Okay, so from what I told you, you wouldn't know. There was no way for us to tell. All right, now. Out of curiosity, though, which one was it? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I don't know which one it was. That's why I didn't, didn't do the uh, orientation. Or I didn't, uh, well, that's not why I didn't do it. I didn't know uh, the, the, uh, orient, the orientation of uh, Dan. When I looked at it, he didn't tell me. Uh, I can find that out and let, you, and let you know which hand it's on. Maybe Dan's even listening today and we'll, we'll call you up. But uh, uh, Dan is a, is a uh, young man. He's a musician. He lives in Sweden. So it's probably about 10 o'clock at night there for him. And uh, because he's a musician, a hurt finger is is uh, serious. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, that is how you diagnose. Now, some of the tricks I played on you, and they weren't really tricks, they were, they were things to help you succeed, was one, I didn't give you a lot of time to let your mind wander. I kept you moving along. Two, uh, I picked a case that would have been hard to guess, 
very few people, if they had to guess, they might say upper body, lower body. Well, that covers a lot, you know. But uh, a finger would have been harder to guess. That uh, made it more evidential for those of you that got it. Um, when I told you to visualize the cookie, you might not have known it, but those of you who sat down in a quiet space and closed your eyes and then looked to see that this gingerbread man, um, that immediately put you into an altered state. In fact, if when you looked at that gingerbread man, and because you didn't have time to think about what you were doing, it probably put you into a very sound, a very um, uh, profound altered state in that I'm guessing that some of you at least, looking at that gingerbread cookie, forgot all about the rest of your surroundings. It was just you and the this, this shape. And you were so focused and concentrated on the shape and the light and the dark and the things that I was saying that you really weren't aware of what was going on in this physical matter reality around you. Well, what does that mean? That means that you had left the physical. Your attention was no longer centered in physical matter reality. You were outside of your body. You weren't here. You were in another reality frame. Well, see, that's a trick. If I'd have told you that's what was going to happen, most of you would not have been able to do it because suddenly you would have had belief issues and expectations and how can this happen if I don't go into meditation. You'd had all this stuff which would have blocked it. But if you just followed the directions, you just looked to see what would happen and just was the observer, your full attention should have been on that cookie and the rest of the reality around you should have been gone. Okay, so that was another kind of trick I played by giving you that image to look at and then not giving you time to think about it. So that, uh, okay, that gets us now to the, uh, let's see, we've done that in the healing. Um, You're now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. All right. Something you can do at home. Now, what have we learned? You've learned that attitude is very, very important. Okay? The attitude that you go in with is very important. You can, you've learned that you can define your own tools, whether it's black on white or white on black, doesn't matter. You realize that you can change dark to light with just your intent, or you can use lasers or torches or anything else you want, and that all those are just tools. There is no light. It's just data. You know, all these tools that we use to help organize information, such as chakras, Okay. Chakras are, um, a lot of people use that system. It's a Hindu system. And it breaks out functions of the non-physical related to the physical. And by breaking them out in that way, it makes it easier to talk about them and easier to, to uh, understand and easier to work with. But they're not fundamental. It's all just data. Do the, um, do the Zen Buddhists you know, uh, see chakras and work with chakras? No. Do the American Indians work with chakras? 
No. Does that mean that the, that the Hindus are smarter than the, than the Zen Buddhists and the American Indians were? No. It's not fundamental. Chakras are just a way of organizing the data so that you can talk about it and make sense, but it's not fundamental at all. It's just a way of looking at the data. Uh, light workers who use their beams of light to turn those black spots white. Are those beams of light real? No, they're not real. There are no beams of light, just like there are no chakras. It's all just data. Those are interpretations. That's the way we interpret and organize the data. Uh, that's why it's not important um, for you to follow any particular regimen or any particular set of tools. Make up your own it's better to get a tool that really helps you focus your intent than try to use somebody else's tool. And your tools don't have to be visual. Visual is very powerful because it contains a lot of information quickly, but they can be feeling tools. You can work with your intuition as well. Okay, you learn that ritual is not important. You didn't have to sit down, cross your legs, take 20 minutes to get into a deep meditative state because once you focused on this and let the physical reality go to where your whole attention was focused on this, this uh, humanoid light shape, you basically were in a meditation state. Meditation states, you know, we learn lots of ritual. We sit down and we do various things and we light incense and we watch our breath and, and or we say mantras. We go through all of this ritual, but basically... You are consciousness. That's all you are. And it's a matter of just shifting your reality frame, shifting your intent. When you are reading a very good book and you're so absorbed in that book that the rest of the world disappears, you're in an altered state. You're not in this reality anymore. You're in that book reality. But you're not in a reality where you can go traveling around because you're totally focused on what's going on in the book. When you're listening to music and there's nothing in your reality except the sound, all the rest of your environment goes away, you know, you're not in this reality anymore. You're basically out of your body. Well, your body's not in the music, it's your mind. Your mind has gone to another dimension or another reality frame. Now, when you can do that without focused on what's in the book, without focused on the music, but just do that and be aware of it, well, then you can do other things. Then you can travel to these various realms. You can... Uh, um, you know, direct what it is you're doing. Now, we did that with the diagnosis and healing. We directed your intent. You went into a state where you were without the physical reality, and then you directed what it is you wanted to do. So you've been very successful at doing something that most people have a hard time doing after they try for years and years, and it's because you didn't know that you were doing it. I kind of tricked you that way, snuck up on you, and had you do something without you having to analyze it, without your intellect getting involved. Okay, so attitude is very important. Uh, time is a variable. You can go forward and backward in time because all you're doing is getting data out of a database. You've heard in the, in the um, metaphysical worlds, they talk about the Akashic records. Well, it's just databases. Um, in, the, in the My Big Toe books, you will see that, that uh, there's basically four big databases, and the one we're working with here was the uh, actualized past. In other words, that's the immediate past. And, and when you say past, you think, oh, that's like a long time ago. Well, no, past means from the last, you know, time increment, which is, you know, billions of billions of billions of a second, you know, 
from then on back. So that that near past is pretty close to the present. The present is just a moment. That's where we have our free will and take our actions. Okay, intent is everything. Okay, your intent needs to be strong and clear. If you went in with a muddled intent and you couldn't quite intend that that cookie represented Dan and you couldn't quite intend that good was, was the white and the, and the bad was the black or vice versa, if your intent was kind of feeble and weak and not clear, then you'll get feeble and weak and not clear results. Okay, what you're doing is you're querying a database with your intent. And that database can be queried. You can tell what kind of output you want. Well, here we defined the output. We wanted the output to be white is good tissue and healthy, black is bad tissue and not healthy. That was our output format. We could have had a different output, for, output format. You can find out data from these databases and have them graph it for you and look at the graph. You get to determine the output format you want. So we did a humanoid shape, and then we used contrasting colors for our diagnosis. Okay, that is just a matter of intent. That's how we use those databases. There's also a database called the probable future reality. Probable because it's not a done deal. You have free will. Um, you know, things that are going to happen are perhaps very likely to happen, and other things might be unlikely, but you can go into that database as well. Okay, but you must be very specific about your intent, and your intent must be very clear. That's the key. Okay, now, now that we've done that, and humming right along here, I've got you uh, hopefully not thinking too much. I want to keep you from thinking. Thinking is what prevents you from doing all of this. It's getting your intellect involved, trying to work the process. That's the problem. All right, let's do a little remote viewing. Okay, okay, now, remote viewing, close your eyes again. Okay, let the cookie go. And, again, just do it and observe. Just do what I tell you. Don't think about it. Just do it and observe what happens. All right, now, this one may be a little more difficult for you to do, Nicole, than it will be for everybody else because I'm going to pick you as the target. So, all of you, all of you, just close your eyes, take a deep breath, relax, and just observe. I want you to look at a picture of Nicole Whitney. Okay, look at Nicole. You've all been to her website. You wouldn't be listening to her radio. You know what Nicole looks like. Bring that image up. Intend that image, whatever it is you see, to be Nicole. Okay? Now, imagine that you are standing in front of Nicole. You are about six feet away from her. You're standing there. She is talking on the phone. She obviously has a phone, you know, uh, somehow uh, attached to her so that she can, she can talk. She's part of the show. Now, intend that you're standing there in front of her. You're looking at her. You see her talking on the phone, doing this interview. She's sitting. Look around. So now look to your left. Look to your right. Turn all the way around. Just look at where Nicole is. Where is she? Is she in a closet? Is she in an office? Is she in a studio? You know, don't guess. Just look and see what you see. Okay, where she is. We're going to ask her in a minute to describe her surroundings. 
So don't suddenly now start to say, oh, I got to get it right. I don't want to get it wrong. You know, that's the wrong thing. Just look and observe. Don't worry about right or wrong. Don't second guess. Don't try to think about where you think she should be. Just be there in front of her, look right at her, and then just turn around and see what's in the room, who else is in the room. See if you see other people in the room and what are they doing. So what's there? Just take a look around. All right, now look back at Nicole. Orient yourself again. Again, you're standing in front of her. Now do it again. Just slowly scan around the room. Okay, I'll give you just a few seconds to, to do this. Remember what you see. Okay, that's enough time. Now, I want you to rise straight up. Just float right up in the air. Go right straight up, vertical, about 500 feet, and look down on the rooftop of the building that Nicole's in. Now you're up in the air. You're looking down on the rooftops. Look around her neighborhood. Is it an industrial area? You know, are cars parked everywhere? Is it residential? What does it look like? Just take a just take a look around her neighborhood. Okay. Again, turn around, look all around, look for look for uh, major landmarks. You know, is there a is there a river flowing nearby? You know, what what's happening right around her her neighborhood? All right, take your look. Okay, now go back down. Just slide right back and stand in front of Nicole once again. Okay, now some of you are still up there looking around. You know, it's time to get back. Get back in front of Nicole. That's it. All right, again, you're standing in front of her. You are just a little bit, about six feet in front of her. One last time, look around the room. See if it's any different than what you saw before. When you're done looking around the room, walk up to Nicole. Give her a big hug. <laughs> Fill her with your love. What I mean by that is ten, intend for her. Your intent is what moves energy. Intend for her to feel your love. Surround her with white light. And then after you've done that, you've finished looking around the room, you've hugged Nicole, you've surrounded her with white light, then go on back to your body. I'll give you another you know, 30 seconds or so to, to do that. You are now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. energy around this show. Just enormous, enormous. Uh, I, I really have to hand it to you, Nicole. You've created sort of a niche of amazing, amazing connections. That just like <laughs> the angels and the devatas that are like attracted to news for the soul is amazing. Like, this is what's getting, it, it's, it's some angel telling somebody, okay, Listen, get on this show. Listen to this program. Even not my program, whatever program you've got on. It's really amazing. 
It's hard to believe it's uh, 17 years since uh, there in Vancouver. And you were sitting there in class and you were using remote viewing. And I think I said to you that uh, you were going to be a radio talk show host or something along those lines. It wasn't really a prediction. It was just a kind of a sense of who you were and what you were doing and the direction you were going. And wow, voila. And there you were. <laughs> and still going. But it's amazing. Look at what you've done with it. I just wanted to say I'm very proud of you for what you've accomplished, uh, for just the format to the assemblage of wonderful people, great minds, and people who are working to serve humanity and do the things that they do. I, it's really, I've been looking through your list of callers, and uh, I mean, uh, of uh, interviewees, and you just do a tremendous job. I'm so proud of you. Uh, I really am. And uh, I'm proud of all the people that support you and follow you and do what they do and just keep doing that for for this wonderful woman. Uh, it's so important because there are not a lot of really high-quality message portals that are out there where messengers get to come in and say what they want to say uh, in this format. So it's because of your support of her that she's able to continue doing that. So please step that up and continue doing it and I just want to do it more I mean I feel good being here and being with you I always do when I'm talking with you so I think we just need to keep doing this more and we love hello everybody this is Damien Brinkley welcome to the hearts and minds of informers this is news for the soul Hello, this is Satyan Raja, and you're listening to News for the Soul. Be open in your mind, your body, your being. Allow yourself to drench in this awesome information to evolve you to your next place. Hey, this is Dave Morehouse, and you're listening to News for the Soul. Yeah, man. We all love to hear the good news. So we all should rush to hear the good news. But we are jealous by the good news. NSTS, NSTS. News for the soul at the very best. show now you are a great powerful and mighty spiritual being period unquestionable you have direction dignity and purpose period no other conversation no other part about it forget it no matter what else you think that's still not this is still true so you peel that stuff away because it it unthickens you it lessens the pressure the tension the stress because you're moving down this tunnel and you're on the way to heaven I 
somebody to have the privilege to come to this earth. There's two ways you come, Nicole. There's two ways. You choose to come, and then you're chosen to come. Period. This is how you got here. Okay, then you're met by this being of light. When this being of light comes, and this is the emotional conveyance is, is the, more than the dialogue that I'm giving to go, the feeling. This is not subject to a bunch of deviation. I mean, I've done this three times, and I've studied this experience for 30 years, right where it happens, not in the classroom, but at the bedside, talking to the people. So they take that last breath and sit there holding them. You know, I'm not afraid of death because I know it doesn't happen. And I know where they're going. And my gift back to God for the life God gave me is that I'll be at the bedside and make the difference. Now, where two or more gather in my name, so shall I be among you. Well, it's me and that person on the way down that tunnel into the where they're going. So I already know there's a spiritual world over there. I know it has a divine loving God, and that God is not the guy with the beard and all that stuff. But that is a, is a presence that exists to help us grow and help us achieve our goals. Then you go to this panoramic life of you. The same thing in the Bible, the Book of the Dead, the Akashic Records, the Great Hall of Records, blah, blah, blah. Every religion's got a name for it. But you're going to see yourself in the 360-degree panorama, a hologram. You're going to watch everything you've ever done. And then you're going to watch it from a second-person point of view, as if you're your best friend watching yourself. And then you're going to feel every instant between the first two. You can see your life pass before you, but you're going to feel every feeling that was felt by the person or the event that you had encountered. You're now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. Hello, everybody. to News for the Soul. This is Daniel Brinkley. Nicole Whitney, News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. Okay, everybody, take a deep breath. We know that we choose to come to this world, and we're chosen to come to this world, and we've come for breath. We breathe in for ourselves and out for spiritual involvement. And as we breathe these moments, let's open up our heart and open up our souls, and let the true awareness of News for the Soul make its impact now and forever. Talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. 
I'm sure we'll have some of all that and then some tonight because he's here. He's back. Yay. Daniel Brinkley is with <laughs> me on the line. My uh, celebrity guest co-host now and then. Wish it was more now than then. It's been, uh, been a while, hasn't it? Yes. And I guess I'm guilty of uh, neglecting you, Nicole. Oh. <laughs> I forgive you, Daniel. <laughs> well, you know, I, when you when you put it that way, because there's so much stuff happening in this world that you know, having to focus on it uh, takes so much time away. But I love the news for the Soul family, and hello, Tampa. And I've liked I like being a part of this program. What four years? Almost five years. I know, I know. Nicole, we're older than hell, <laughs> and we Good for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, here we are, and the news for the soul family is as important and is a part of my whole soul. And I, I, I'd i love to do the shows. I just can't do as many because of so much, you know, the world is unfolding really fast. But I am certainly glad to be here tonight. There is a lot going on in this world right now. Um, <clears throat> just for those of you who don't know, Daniel Brinkley is a, a best-selling author of Saved by the Light, At Peace and Light, has been dead three and or four times. And Secrets of least. the Light. And Secrets of the Light. Is that the brand new? new? The brand new Secrets of the Light. Brand new. So maybe we can get into some Secrets of the Light today on the show. Why don't we talk about what's new in Daniel's world? Okay, here's what's an update on what I've been working on. These are the things that have been curious to me. As I look, always watching where the world is, based on the original predictions that occurred in 1975. Let's start there. 1975, 117 things occurred, and I would always be working on those, always watching to see how they unfold and watching them. They go from 1981 to about 2014. Now, these are prophecies about what's to happen in the future that you saw in your first long near-death experience. Near experience. Yeah. See, when it, when I, this is for news for the soul, for the family, and also this is where I am. On Thursday of last week, I got my award for $10,000 at the bedside of dying veterans. Personally, $10,000 at the bedside as a volunteer. I am one hour short of having the next tier, the ultimate tier, which is ten, which is 12,500. Very few ever get there, and there's there wouldn't be 300 people out of 400,000 volunteers that's throughout the VA system that would have ever reached that status at the bedside, and they weren't dying with people. I was. And so from having a near-death experience and following this vision, which was struck by lightning, lifted out of my body, dead for 28 minutes, completely paralyzed for six days, partially paralyzed for seven months, two years to learn to walk and feed myself, and sent home to die, to lift. But the thing that was the most important was I lifted out of my body and I dwelled in a place that's in between this world and the next world. And I traveled down a tunnel and came in this place of light. And I watched each of these things unfold. But it was so sudden and it was such a complete different world that I was living in. And as I move through them, I understand that not only is there a life after death, there's a way you live and there's a way you die and there's a method that you leave this world. 
So my life since 1975 is dominated by that issue. And what occurred in that near-death experience was a series of what became visions. They weren't anything that I thought that they were. I wasn't the vision hunter. I didn't pray or contemplate. I didn't even know that the damn things were the future. I didn't understand most of them because they didn't start to occur until almost five years after the near-death experience. So in general in life, those I broke it down into categories, and it's 117. I can look back over the last 30 years, Nicole, and I can look at these predictions of where I said the world would be from 1976 to 2004. So you saw, you saw some of them coming to fruition? I've seen probably, I probably missed two. And out of the two, it's easy to understand if you read it from the original text and you look at what happened and you listen to my translation of it, you'll see that I'm close. I just didn't understand it as well as I thought I did when I was seeing it. Wow. You know, it's nothing to do with me. So what's a couple examples of what you what's come to Oh, um, Chernobyl came true. Uh, um, the Arab-Israeli conflict, the, con- the three contracts, the three agreements that occurred when uh, when peace, how peace would come to the Middle East, what would happen in the economic situations of America, like where we are right now. We're we're in trouble. America is in trouble in, as a country and being in this deficit and where it is financially and where we're taking ourselves into a potential position of World War III. I watch it at all. The most important predictions to me, like the chip implant, all this stuff is in Saved by the Light, Nicole. You know, you've probably heard them backward forwards and everybody who's listening to them. Yeah. And, well, listen, I mean, some people to, out there aren't familiar. Well, it's Danian.com. It's Danian.com. It's Saved by the Light at Peace in the Light and a I think light streamers has some of the predictions, has what's called the final vision. Okay, danianbrinkley.net is where the prophecies are on the Internet. Oh, perfect. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a conversation in progress, but people can look at it and read it, and it's an interpretation of their visions by someone who's tracked it, you know, one of those people who track every product, prediction, every prophecy. You know, there's about, there's 200 places on the Internet people are doing it. Wow. So danielbrinkley.net, okay, and they can find out some of the more of the prophecies and stuff. Okay, but here's what's important. That's where I would be no matter what. That's my part of contribution to News for the Soul. This is me. And what I said I would do in 1975 from a jackass to being struck by lightning to fulfill a series of visions and what I was sent back to do, which I wrote down in 1976, and I put it in a book 10 years ago. The only real measure is if I wrote it in that book 10 years ago, and if you stood up beside me today, would I be doing it? Would I be fulfilling it? Would I be exceeding it on the timeline given me 30 years ago? That's funny, Nicole. <laughs> Anywhere, anytime, come on down. There's no doubt that I, as one human being who's had this experience called a near-death experience and who's been through it three times, and what I said from 1976, what I wrote in the book 10 years ago, whether right now today, as we sit here today, would I be doing it? Absolutely, unequivocally, come on down. <laughs> okay, so what I would be thinking about which is what makes it fun for you and I, because you know, you know, I'm up to something. I'm studying something. Well, let me tell you what I'm studying. 
I recently discovered that they had found some eggs in uh, somewhere in the desert, Gobi Desert, I think. Okay. But this egg had a reproductive cycle. The egg being studied can show the nature of reproduction. And this egg says that the reproduction system of a this type of new discovered dinosaur through its egg was part bird and part crocodile. Oh. Okay. When I read it, the first thing I thought about was Zachariah Fitchett and the uh, the story of the reptilians, the bird people, and then the reptilians and the you know Sitchin's story of how the Earth was founded and where the aliens and the Anunnaki came from, and you know all of that kind of stuff that is a little cosmic for Tampa at, at uh, twelve o'clock at night, but nonetheless it's still what we're looking at because historically there were books and tablets written about where the world really came from. And in Zachariah Sitchin, and so many people who've explored that, says that it has extraterrestrial origin. And in those writings and in those old documents, look at the, the Gnostic Gospels. In the Gnostic Gospels, which is equal to the Bible, the same books from the same period, if you read the book of Philip, which was left out of the Bible in 325 A.D., at the Council of Nicaea. Still, the Gosniks are just as equal and just the quality of a period of reflection that could have been in the biblical literature or not. But it talks about this alien race. Okay, and then the San, then the Sancris and the Sumner tablets talk about this extraterrestrial creation of Earth. Well, as soon as you look at that, when I listen to the the story, Zachariah Sitchin, and who is a, he has his books of, that talk of this story, the first thing I think is this egg tells it's true. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So now, did you have anything, any insights in your own visions about stuff like that? No. I knew that, um, that somewhere between 2006 and 2008 that we were not alone. We'd become the most obvious of, of, of obviouses and the strain in the place where religion would be and what would be created from that realization that there is other life but that was never as exciting as the fact that interdimensional realities exist that we live in worlds with people in with other energies and other beings in these worlds now for me Nicole when you're dead you're not in your body. And the mechanisms that you study the world from are completely different. They're not the same as like me sitting here or looking around in this room or the people who are listening. What is it like? It's a heightened consciousness. It's an awareness. It's an awareness that is empowering. And you can see the way the things work and how they operate. But being dimensional and seeing this in part of the visions after 1980 when the first ones came true, you know, I, it didn't mean anything to me. It was just gobbledygook that I wrote down on a piece of paper until 1980. Then they started happening. But it was that the cell phone, the everyday device that we use, the cell phone, the cell phone works and is created because of a, an equation in quantum physics called the multi-universe theory developed in 19, in 1801. And it says that we live in a minimum of 11 simultaneous universes we personally 
and people, when you listen to it, every time you pick up a cell phone and use it, the bandwidth that it operates on is an equation based on quantum physics that the law says that this is how it works. So when a person picks up a cell phone and they dial it, they are verifying a law that exists that we are dimensional beings. Then they just wonder if a cell phone works or not. Yes, it does. So when I saw that part of the vision of the multi-dimensional beings and that reality and the cell phone, another one had come true. So I look at these eggs <laughs> and I study this reptile because the story in the old biblical and the old in the Bible uh, books and in the and in the uh, study the ancient Sumerian tablets and uh, the Indus the the language and the, the histories of the Indus people in the Indus Valley about these extraterrestrials, bird people and reptiles, and no matter how much nonsense it makes. The evolution is proof positive, I hope, as I study these eggs, that that once again is true. Well, it does sound so bizarre. We've talked a few times on the show in the past about these alleged, uh, the, the lizard race, and that comes up a lot in the conspiracy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.